church? Are you an optimist or are you a pessimist? When you look at things, do you look at it from an optimistic or a pessimistic point of view? As I was researching for today's message, I found some interesting quotes I'd like to share with you that may help you figure it out for yourself. So George Carlin, he said this, he said, some people see the glass half full, others see it it half empty. I see a glass that's twice as big as it should be. Oscar Wilde, the optimist sees the donut, the pessimist sees the hole. Abraham Lincoln, we can complain because rose bushes have thorns, or we can rejoice because thorn bushes have roses. Winston Churchill, a pessimist sees the difficulty in every situation. The optimist sees the opportunity in every difficulty. As we begin a new year, we often like to to look back at the year that just ended. We like to think about the way things went. I believe we've probably all had ups and downs during this past year. And sometimes we like to go as far as qualifying the year. We like to qualify it as a a good year or a bad year. But I think truthfully, if we look at our lives through the last year, we find moments and situations that maybe we could classify those instances as good or bad. But it doesn't make up the whole. It all depends on your point of view of whether or not we choose to be optimistic or pessimistic. Myself, I had many things go on this past year. I had a really full summer. I had a a mission trip and a a week of church camp and uh, a week of mission Wellsville. We we crammed a lot in in the summer and I transitioned into my new position as the associate pastor. And but one of the biggest things that I think that happened this last year is, is my daughter Allison and her husband, Dakota, they moved to Myrtle Beach this past year back, back in May. And, and when I think about this event from a pessimistic point of view, I think about part of my family, they're, they're 10 hours away, and I don't get to see them as often as I'd like to. But when I look at it from an optimistic point of view, I think about the fact that they're there and they're doing well and they're building their life together. And that makes me happy. And I also think I now have a place to stay when I go to the beach. So that's good as well. So, but it it just depends on your perspective. It sees how, it depends on how you look at things. When you look at this past year personally for yourself, how do you look at it? How do your thoughts affect the views of the things that have happened in your life over the last year? Do you look for the good in it? Do you look for the difficulties? Are you optimistic? Are you pessimistic? More importantly, how do your thoughts affect your view of what's going to happen in this new year, over the next year? How do your thoughts affect those things? I'm not here today to tell you to be optimistic or pessimistic. I read that the optimist invented the airplane and the pessimist invented the parachute. So there's a place for everybody. But when it comes to our outlook on life in this new year, what we need to have is we need to have a biblical view of life. And that's different. A biblical view of life 
looks at the truths that God gives us in the Bible. We then need to take these biblical truths and we need to look at our lives through that lens. We look at, need to look at our lives on how those truths affect our situations, our circumstances. And what I want to do is I want to share with you some of those biblical truths today. And the first one is we live in a sinful world. If you turn with me to Romans 3.23, it tells us this. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We live in a sinful world. It's just the way it is. That's our nature. Every place we go, we're just surrounded by sin. For so many people in the world, sin has just become normal. It's become a way of life for them. So many times the world wants to tell us that a sin is not a sin because that's the way the world thinks. Even though the Bible tells us very clearly that it is. Sin in the world affects each of us the same yet differently. It affects us the same because every person's sin separates them from God without Jesus Christ. But sin affects each one of our situations differently. We live in a fallen world. We can't expect our life to be perfect. Things are not always going to go the way we plan them. Things aren't always going to happen the way we want them to. Things are not going to go the way we planned. And sometimes we have to deal with the consequences of sin and our choices. Sometimes it's our decisions that affect our situations. Maybe it's choices that we made with our finances that keep us from being able to get what we want now. Sometimes it's the choices of others that affect us. Maybe it's choices in our relationships that have caused families and friendships to have problems, to have troubles. Maybe choices we made led us to addictions, and those addictions are keeping us from being able to do the things that we want to now. Sometimes the struggles we have are a result of our attitude. We want to be able to do things the way we want to be able to do it. We want to do things the way it makes us be comfortable. We don't want to give control over to God. We don't want to let God be in control of our lives because that makes us uncomfortable. When we can't control things, that's not how we want to be. That's our human nature is to want to control things. So for us to be able to give that over to God, that's hard for us. We don't want to admit that we need help from God. But sometimes we do give it to God. We, we turn it over, only just to take it back again. We give it to Him and we, we say, God, I can't do this. Here it is. And then sometimes the next day, sometimes the next minute, we take it right back and say, God, I want to give it to you, but I still want to control things. That's not how it works. We don't want to admit that we've sinned that we've made mistakes, and that we need a Savior. That's not our nature. But if we turn it over to Jesus, there is forgiveness. There is a way out of the sin that we're in. If you turn with me to Luke 5.32, Jesus tells us, 
I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And this is the second biblical truth that I want us to look at. And that is that there is forgiveness. Through Christ, there's forgiveness. There's forgiveness for all of our sins. Sometimes, church, we we think that we've just done too much wrong. That we don't deserve to have forgiveness. That God will never forgive what we've done. I've made too many mistakes. I keep doing the same bad things over and over again. I've screwed it up way too many times. We'll believe we're never good enough for God's forgiveness. When I think about forgiveness that Jesus gives, I think about the story of the adulterous woman from John chapter 8. If you want to look at that with me. Jesus was in the temple and he was teaching to to a crowd there. And he he was talking to them and working with them and teaching. And and all of a sudden the Pharisees came with, with a woman. And they interrupted everything that Jesus had going on. And they they came and and they said to Jesus, this woman is guilty of adultery. And back at that time, adultery was punishable by being stoned to death. And that's what the law said should happen. So the leaders already knew what the law said, but they came wanting to know what Jesus was going to say. So if we pick it up in the second half of verse 7, Jesus answers them when he's questioned what they want him to do. He answers saying, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. After he said that, he went back to to his teaching, the writing on the ground. But we don't know what he was writing, but some scholars believe that maybe he was writing down the the sins of, of those Pharisees. That he was writing down the things that they did wrong. So they realized that they're a sinner as well. But I don't know that for sure. But that's what a lot of scholars believe. And when we look at the rest of the story in verses 9 through 11, it says this. It says, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Jesus didn't condemn this lady or this woman for a crime that she should have died for based off of the law then. He didn't condemn her for that. What he did is he sent her away and said, go and sin no more. You're forgiven. We'd like to think that we've done too many things for God to forgive us. We'd like to think that our sin is just too bad for that forgiveness that would come from Jesus. But I'm here to tell you that Jesus offers us that same forgiveness. Jesus wants us to turn from our sin. He wants us to go and change our lives, to do things differently. And we have that forgiveness that Jesus offers to us. He'll forgive us the same way he forgave this adulterous woman. Jesus wants us to turn from our sins.
so that we can have the life that he calls us to. God loves us and he wants us to love him. He wants us to have a relationship with his son Jesus so we can receive the goodness that he has for us. God promises us in Romans 8, 28, he says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Our third biblical truth is this, God is working in every situation. Sometimes in our lives, we have a hard time seeing God at work. Sometimes we become overwhelmed by our situations, by our circumstances, by the things that we have going on around us. Maybe it's our our grief, our sorrow, our disappointment. Whatever our situation is, we have a hard time recognizing that God is there, that God is working in that circumstance, but he is. Sometimes we have a hard time of feeling the presence of Jesus in the room with us. We go through hard times. Maybe it's bad news from the doctor. Maybe it's losing someone we love. Maybe it's trouble with your family or your finances. But God is always there. God is always working in those circumstances. I think it takes great spiritual perseverance for us to be able to say, this difficult thing that I went through, it happened so that I could grow spiritually. This situation I went through, I went through it so I would have to learn to lean on God more. That's hard for us to look at our circumstances, our situations, and admit those things. I went through this for God's glory. I went through this so when God got me through it, I would give him praise and honor and glory for seeing me through that situation that I'm in. It's so many, it's easy for us many times to blame God, to even doubt if, if God loves us, to doubt whether God's presence is there because of our human nature, our, our emotions. We, we struggle sometimes with, with feeling God's love, with feeling God's presence. Sometimes we, we may think that, yeah, I, God loves other people, but he doesn't love me. He doesn't love me individually. He doesn't do the things that I need him to. I'm just too bad. I've done too much wrong. God has left me here all by myself. But that's not the case. If we look at God's promise in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 9, it says this, it says, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. God never leaves us. God never abandons us. He's always there in our circumstances, our situations. But it depends on our attitude. It depends on whether we're looking for God in those circumstances. Sometimes we we don't want to see God. Sometimes we want to blame him. We just want to act like he's not there, like he's not doing anything for us. When in fact, that's not true. God is going to see us through every situation that we're in. Paul gives us four statements as things we're up against as believers in 2 Corinthians 4, verses 8 and 9. 
It says this, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. When we look at those different circumstances that it talks about in there, we may not be facing those circumstances right now. We probably won't face all those circumstances all at once. But probably at some time in your life, if you haven't already, you're going to go through those circumstances. You're going to be there. But these are God's promises to us. When we look at that, the beginning part of verse 8, it says, We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Pressure will not defeat us. We sometimes feel pressured from the world to change. To change and become more like the world. That's what the world wants us to do. They want us to say that sin is okay. And we get pressured from those things. We get pressured by our our workplaces sometimes. And by our our friends and our family. And and by people out in the world. They, They want us to say that this sin is okay. They want to put pressure on us. But God will not allow us to be crushed in those circumstances if we turn to Him. He will give us the power we need to be able to stand up against the pressures of the world. The second part of verse 8, it says, perplexed but not in despair. Confusion can't discourage us. Sometimes we're not sure what we should be doing, what God wants us to do, where God wants us to go. But I can tell you this, even if we're confused, God's not confused. God knows exactly what's going on in our lives. He knows exactly what we need in every circumstance, in every situation. And he's going to work us through those circumstances. He's going to help us. He's going to guide us. We just need to continue to pray and to seek out what God's will is for us. And he's going to direct us. We don't need to despair because life does not hinge on our understanding of the big picture. God already knows what the big picture is. God understands what's going to happen when we come out of the valley that we're in. God understands what's going to happen next. Sometimes we want to know that. We want to know, we want to know the whole thing. God, God, let me know what's going to happen next week. Let me know what's going to happen a year from now. What, what, what are we going to be talking about at the beginning of next January? We don't know that, but God does. God knows exactly what this new year is going to bring to us. And I believe that God has big things planned for us. God has good things planned for every one of our lives. God does his best work when we give him control of everything. Verse 9 says, persecuted but not abandoned. Opposition will not deter us. When we decide to live our lives for Christ, Satan works extra hard against us. Satan puts up so many roadblocks that wants to keep us from the life that God has for us. He wants to put so many things in our way that keep us from having the goodness that God has planned.
The enemy wants to chase us down. He, he wants to, to pull us back. He wants us to go back into that old lifestyle that we had. He wants us to go back into a life of sin. He wants us to go into the world and, and live the way the world does. But that's not what God calls us to do. God has called us to a life with Him. God will never abandon us. He's always there. But what we need to realize is that we can't accomplish anything on our own. Those things that God has called us to, it's not for us to do by ourselves. It's for us to be able to do that with the power of God inside of us. And that's the, that's the life that God called us to. With the power of Christ, we can do all things. In the final part of that verse, it says, struck down but not destroyed. Hard hits will not destroy us. It seems like we take hard hits. Sometimes, for some of us, it probably seems like we take hard hits a lot. Maybe it's losing our job. Maybe it's getting sick. Maybe it's losing a loved one. Maybe, you know, somebody that was affected by the tornadoes. There's so many things that go on that can just hit us, that can punch us, that can take our breath away, that can seem to knock us down. Whatever that hit is, God is bigger than that hit. God is going to keep us from being destroyed. He can give us comfort. He can give us strength in every situation, in every circumstance. We need to reach out to Him. We need to be looking for God in those circumstances. No matter what we're going through, God's going to see us through. But in order to find God in these circumstances, we need to check our attitudes sometimes. I'm not talking about just a, a positive attitude. I'm talking about biblical optimism. And what I mean by that, I have it defined as a positive outlook on life in a fallen world based not on man, but on God. We talked about three spiritual truths today that affect biblical optimism. We live in a fallen world full of sin. We know that, but we don't need to stay there. God offers us forgiveness for our sins through Jesus Christ. God is always working in our lives. We need to consider these spiritual truths as we examine our biblical optimism. Because biblical optimism is based on the gospel, not on our circumstances. Too many times we want to look at the circumstance that we're in, the situation we're in, and we want to think that that's forever. Sometimes that's when we're in a valley, we're in a low place, we're struggling. But sometimes we think that's going to be the same as when we're on the mountain. When we're high, when things are going well, we think that we're going to be there forever as well. In, in our life here on earth, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be times when we're going to be on that mountain and we're going to start down the other side. But when you're in that valley, don't stay there. Let God lift you up out of that. God promises us that he'll do that. We need to remember the great things that God has done for us the love he has for us, the fact that he sent his son to be a savior for us. With our biblical optimism, we need to remember God's works are a process, not a product. 
the good works God is doing in our lives, sometimes it's very difficult for us to see them. Sometimes it takes a while before we see those things. Those good works, they're, they're not immediately available for us to be able to see or be able to feel. So often we want to say, God, I want what you have for me. And, and I really want you to give it to me right now because I'm struggling. And this is where I want. And we don't get to see that product. We don't get to see exactly what it is that we want from God. But yet he's still working. He's still working in our lives. He still has good things for us. Sometimes the good works are maybe just a lesson that we learn from the situation that we were in. Sometimes those good works are a lesson that somebody else is able to learn from the situation that we've been in. We get to bless others that way. God, does, God uses us that same way. Those are still God's good works. God's works are the sum of our life. It's not just one thing. It's not just this situation that we're in. It's not this immediate moment. God's good works, it's the sum of our life together. With biblical optimism, we need to understand God's promises go beyond this life. We're always looking for answers as to why things are the way they are. We want to know, why is this going on? Why did this person get sick? Why did this person pass away? Why am I struggling this way? Why is my marriage a mess? Why is this going on? We, all, we want those answers. But sometimes we don't get those answers right away. Sometimes we don't get those answers at all in this lifetime. But God promises us that there's more than just this life. He promises us that there's an eternity to come. He promises us the hope of a life in heaven with Him. And that's what we need to focus on. We need to focus on that relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Because this life is temporary. This life is going to have ups and downs. It's going to have hard situations. It's going to have good times. But our eternity is to come. And that only happens through a relationship with Jesus Christ. As I call the praise team back up, I want to share one more scripture with you. In Jeremiah 29, verse 11, it says this. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. There are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. God has plans for each one of us. He has plans for each one of us individually, not just as a whole. He has plans for each one of you guys. He has plans for us to have a new year, an opportunity to start over again. We're starting a new year. You have an opportunity to start over with a new life if you haven't given your life to Jesus Christ. He has plans for a life full of hope for us, but that life, it only comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me.
My question for you today is, do you have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Have you admitted that you're a sinner and that you need a Savior? Have you confessed your sins and asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior and followed up in Christian baptism? If we've learned anything in 2021, it's we can expect the unexpected. We never know what's going to happen, where life's going to lead us. If you've not given your life to Jesus, I want to encourage you today to let today be that day to start a new life as we start a new year this year. If you want to make that decision, you can come forward. The elders will be here to walk you through it. If you're already a believer, do you have biblical optimism? Are you looking at your life through the spiritual truths that God gives us in the Bible? What's your outlook like? What's your attitude like? If you're struggling, I want to encourage you to come down front as well. We'll pray with you. We'll help guide you through the things that you have going on. God has big plans for you this year. Let's sing together, but I want to encourage you to to take action this morning.